Thank you so much, Eric. Again, Axe Church Leander. It's good to be with you. Oh, I don't have my clicker. Uh, Luke, I think in the bath. Yes. Uh, can someone run that up to me? Look at this. This is, this is teamwork makes the dream work. This is great. Thank you. I appreciate All right. Uh, so we are in a sermon series called Learning to Forgive. And y'all, forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is something that all of us struggle with, and I am at the very front of the line. And last week, we talked about um, the first step in forgiveness comes from us seeking forgiveness. And so we're going to dive deep into that, both between us and God and us and each other, because it is the only way to get rid of what I am calling the grudge baby. All right, so if you missed last week, I'm going to give you a quick recap. Uh, How many of you have ever heard of nursing a grudge? All right. How many of you have ever nursed a grudge? All of you put your hands up because all of us have, right? Uh, think of what that means. Think of what we're saying when we say nursing a grudge, right? What do you do when you nurse? You, you take a child and you put it up next to your breast or if you're a guy, you have a bottle, right? But regardless, you take this little thing and you feed it, right? And it's beautiful when it's a child, but when it's a grudge, it's toxic. When we can't let go of these grudges, when we nurse it, it becomes the grudge baby. And the grudge baby does not help any of us. It it can feel good at times. It can make us feel good about ourselves. It kind of can feel good to hate even. And yet it's toxic. It's cursed. Last week I called it damned. And it literally is. To be damned means to be cursed. And when we carry around this thing, when we carry around this unforgiveness, this brokenness, When we nurse a grudge, we're less than the humans God created us to be. We have a harder time loving God with everything we have, and we have a harder time loving our neighbor as ourselves. We're calling this sermon series Learning to Forgive because forgiveness is the secret sauce of Christianity. It's what separates us from all other religions. Not that other religions don't talk about forgiveness, but for us, forgiveness explicitly in Christ is the heartbeat that connects us to God and connects us to each other as well. And last week we talked about how forgiveness does not mean there are no consequences when someone hurts us or we hurt others. Forgiveness does not mean that we play pretend or we undervalue the hurt that we have done or someone else has done. No, forgiveness allows consequences to be real, real, but allows us to not have to carry them and the burden and the shame. And so that's what we're going to be dealing with today. That's what our scripture reading is dealing with as we look at Psalm 103 in your Bibles that we've been using. If you've got one of those, that's going to be on page uh, 745. And, and I want to point out a couple of things. Right? So it starts off, praise the Lord, my soul, verse 1. At my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives us all of our sins, verse 3, and heals all of our diseases. As we talked and he gave a definition for forgiveness. And forgiveness literally means to release something. To, to let go of something, to not have to carry around this grudge baby anymore. And what we see in Scripture is that forgiveness does not start with humanity. 
No, forgiveness starts with God. Humans were the one who broke God's playground. We were the one who God said, I created a good thing, and we came in, and like a kid throwing a temper tantrum, just started kicking stuff over, breaking stuff. And as we broke stuff, it broke our relationship with God. It broke our relationship with each other. And so God comes in as the first forgiver. The holy one, the good one, shows up, and he says, I forgive you. And we see that in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're going to explore some of that and what that looks like in Scripture today. But I want to run down a little bit, because what are we asking to forgive? What does that look like? And we're going to see that in verses 10, 11, and 12. And so I'm going to ask you guys to uh, highlight or underline or circle three words. So in verse 10, it says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Underline or circle or highlight sins. So this is the first one. And you can write this in the margins if you want. To sin literally means, the word means to miss a mark or to miss a goal. Right? So if I had a bow and arrow and I was shooting at a target, if I missed it, the technical definition is I missed the goal. I missed the mark. I didn't hit my target. But, but what is the target? What is it that we're missing? And... The definition that I've been using this week is it means we're being less than human. You see, we were designed to love God with everything we had, and we were designed to love our neighbor as ourselves. We were designed to see God and have a righteous relationship with him, and we were designed to see every other person that we come in contact with as made in the image of God. But when we sin... We're not acting out of our humanity. You know, sometimes we say that, right? Like, you're only human. And in some references, that makes sense, right? So I'm not omnipresent, right? Uh, I make mistakes. I, I don't know every single answer to everything because I am only human. But other times when we say that, what we mean is, well, you're human, so of course you're going to sin. Of course you're going to make mistakes. That's actually the wrong definition for humanity. Being human doesn't mean you make mistakes. No, being sinful means you make mistakes. And what we see in Scripture is that God wants us to be fully human. And to be fully human means that we have this life of love where we love God with everything, and we have that relationship with Him, and we come before Him in worship and in grandeur, but also in personal reality that He's our Father. And as we just sang, He's a good, good Father. God wants us to be fully human with Him, and He wants us to be fully human with each other. And yet sin comes in, and sin is what's mucking that up. So to sin actually means to be less than human. Well, God's heart for us is to be fully human. Right? So that's the first one. Then second part of verse 10, it says, or repay us to our iniquities. You can underline or circle iniquity. Iniquity is a category of sin, and it means specifically to be crooked. So if you were to read the Old Testament, if you were to read Hebrew, a road could be crooked, and you would say, well, that is an iniquitous road. But for this, right, we, we see this a lot with politicians. We see this a lot with people who are in power and that are crooked, right? And, and so they misuse their power for their own personal gain. And again, all of us get crooked. It's a category of sin. It's a category of not living as humans were meant to, missing the mark. But there's that. And then there is a third type, and this is in verse 12. 
For as far as the east is from the west, so has the Lord removed our transgressions. You can highlight or circle transgressions. And that one is the more personal one. That one is a break of trust. That one is a betrayal. And so in Scripture, if some random person comes in and steals something from your house, that is a sin. That is a human not treating another human the way they're supposed to. If your neighbor comes and steals from you, that is a transgression. Because there is a personal relationship there, and that's an extra deep cut. That's why the people that know us the best, our family, have the tendency to be able to hurt us the most. Because we have a personal relationship with them. There is a layer of trust that's supposed to be there, and when we, as humans, don't honor that, it, it hits deeper, right? Someone that's supposed to care for us stabbed me in the, the, the back. It, it, mind you, this isn't just personal relationships. This is also how relationships in society work. Speaking of pastors, one of the reasons why it's such a big deal when pastors fall, especially when it's around stuff like assault, right, or stealing from the church, there's a relationship there that's supposed to be there, and there's a breach of trust. And it affects, and it lingers, and people can deal years, right? This pastor did this to me, and it hurt deeper. Yes, it did. I'm going to step near a landmine, but I'm going to ask you guys to trust me on this, I promise. All right, first thing I did when I came to Acts Church Lander, the first sending event we did, Rick Maslink, you were here when this happened, was we loved on our police department. Y'all, I love our police. We have police officers in this congregation. It is a noble job. When some of us run away, they are running towards danger. But why do some communities have such a hard time when police break trust? Because the police are called to protect them. That's the relationship they're supposed to have. And when someone in that job breaks trust, it hits deeper. It's more complicated. And it's the same for teachers. It's the same for parents or uncles or aunts or family members. When there is relationship that is supposed to be there that is good and we break that trust, yeah, it hits deeper and messes up God's playground even harder. not being fully human, be being crooked and breaking trust. You want to know why our world is as broken as it is? It's because of those type of things. But the good news is that God doesn't just leave us there because, as we're going to see in Scripture, and Romans does a really good job, you want to uh, flip forward to now the New Testament. Romans is a great book to explain how the world got to how it got to. But Romans uh, chapter 3, verses 23, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. All means all. All means your pastor. All means your spouse. All means your neighbor. And but what most of us have to deal with, the big one, is all means the person we see in the mirror every morning. All have fallen short of what it means to be human. All of us struggle with loving God with everything we have, and all of us struggle with treating other humans the way they deserve to be treated. 
salt means all, and we all got infected in the Garden of Eden. Right? Adam and Eve sin, and that curse is like a lightning bolt that just goes through every genealogy. Every parent, every child is wrestling with this thing called sin. And, and, and God could have been like, well, you all fell short of the glory, so I'm coming in as mighty smiter God, right? Zeus, lightning bolts, just raining down. But, but he doesn't choose to do that, but it's something we all struggle with. One of the greatest examples of this is just a couple pages further. Romans chapter 7, starting in 18, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do. That's the thing I keep doing. Right? That's all of us, right? We know that. Man, I want to be a better husband. I want to be better when I'm driving and someone doesn't drive the speed limit. Or my preference, five miles over the speed limit. That to me is how fast I want everyone to drive, right? And I, I know I want to be able to release that. I know I don't want to get angry about that. But so help me when it's that sweet lady or man who wants to drive 10 miles per hour in the speed limit. It is not the good I want to do that comes out of me in that moment, right? No, there is something else at work inside of me. Verse 20, now if I do not do what I want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but is the sin that is living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me. Waging sin against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law at sin inside of me. What a wretched man I am. Who can rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then the good news, verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have two natures that live inside of us. As Christians, and mind you, Paul is writing this as a Christian. Right? There, there are some branches of Christianity that there's some kind of expectation. Once you become a Christian, you're going to be perfect. Y'all, none of you are going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect because that sinful nature, that part of me is still there. This side of eternity, until that sinful nature is fully killed, until death, it's going to be hanging out. And as uh, Betsy prayed when we were uh, doing our pre-service stuff today, the devil is roaming, prowling around us, trying to get us to live out of that sinful nature. But the good news is, that's not the only nature inside of us, Amy. But because of Christ, a new spirit is at work that is teaching us, shaping us, giving us an opportunity to say, you know what, I don't want to go back to that. But it is something that this side of eternity, all of us are going to struggle with. All of us are going to wrestle with. But the good news is thanks be to God, as Paul writes, that Christ came not only to save us, not only to redeem us, but to give us another way to live, another way to walk together. And that comes through his 
death and his resurrection. You see this in a couple of different places in both, by the way, the Old and the New Testament. The New Testament talks about it like this. Oh, uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Turn just a few more pages to 1 Peter. And Peter writes this. Verses 22. He, being Jesus, committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. He's quoting Isaiah 53. So he is quoting the Old Testament, God's promise of what God was going to do. The slave, uh, no, 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 uh, verse 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he, being Jesus, did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the judge who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you are healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have been returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Jesus shows up and he sees his kids, or he sees God's kids, his brothers and sisters, making a havoc of everything, of every relationship, countries going to war. And we talked about this at Ash Wednesday. Old Testament, God kept trying to fix the externals. I'm going to set you up with all of these external things. But the problem wasn't external. The problem was internal. And so he's found a way through Christ to fix our internals. And as Grant mentioned to me, even that we needed an external solution, right? It wasn't found inside of me. It wasn't, okay, Josh, pray enough, be smart enough, read the Bible enough, and you can fix your insides. No. Instead, Jesus shows up. He becomes the first forgiver. He sends his grace, God's divine favor. He pays for our sins. And then he starts to do a new work in us through the Spirit. And that new work allows us to live out of a new identity. And, you know, this is not just the God of the New Testament. Sometimes we can think, like, the God of the Old Testament, he's the mean one. And the God of the New Testament, he's the nice one. And so we separate God. There's a, one of my favorite videos uh, is a drive through church. Uh, and it's literally these people pulling up to a drive through and ordering what kind of church service they want. Right? So they show up, and it's like, okay, I want kids' ministry, or I only want two songs, but no clapping, so Betsabe would be out. Um, right? But one of them drives up. And he says, I want the God of the New Testament. I don't want the mean God of the Old Testament. Sometimes we do that in our minds, and we're like, the God of the Old Testament wasn't about forgiveness. And yet the whole system he sets up with Israel is all based around a once-a-year sacrifice where God says, I again forgive you. I again release you from your sins. Okay, this is from uh, Psalm 32. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. And did not cover up my iniquity, and I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Sin, iniquity, transgressions. Old Testament, New Testament, we have a God who invites us as his kids to be forgiven, to be released of the brokenness. And of the times where we weren't fully human, of the times where we were crooked or deceitful, of the times where we transgressed, where we had built trust with someone and we betrayed that trust, God forgives us again and again and, and again. 
The God of the Old Testament and the New Testament is the same. But when we talk about sin, yes, when I sin, I am transgressing against God, but it's not just against God. I'm also transgressing against the person that I'm hurting. And so in Scripture, not only does God call us to seek forgiveness from Him, but to actually seek reconciliation and forgiveness from those that we have hurt. And again, you see this in the Old Testament, you see this in the New Testament. This is how Jesus puts it back in Matthew. So chapter 5, this is the Sermon on the Mount, talking about how we're supposed to do life together. In verse 21, you have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders shall be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to a court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in the danger of hell. Jesus sets a much higher bar for what sin looks like. If y'all, when you don't treat other humans as humans, it doesn't matter if you didn't physically kill them. If you mocked them, if in your heart you were a character assassinating them, it's the same thing. And then he ties it to worship. Therefore, verse 23, if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, if you sinned against them, Leave your gift in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. Unforgiveness, and when we don't seek out forgiveness, actually gets in the way of our relationship with God. If you want to have a better relationship with God, learn to seek forgiveness. Not just from Him, but for the people that we have wronged. Sometimes we get it in our heads, and we're also like, okay, so I just got to go and apologize. Sometimes. But, but sometimes it actually means seeking reconciliation. It, it means realizing real harm was done, and is there something I can do to help to start to repay this, to make things right? That's what this word reconciled actually means. Only time it's in the New Testament. Other versions of reconciliation use a different word. This one specifically means to make things right, to make things whole again to seek to restore a relationship. Forgiveness is not merely saying, I'm sorry. But forgiveness is the key to having better relationships. Talk to Erica. I got permission before I shared this story, by the way. Um, so, Erica and I, we have been uh, dating or married for almost 10 years now. I did the math this morning. Uh, we've been married for going on six years. Um, and, and we're better at being married today than we were six years ago, and certainly better than we were as a couple. Right? We're growing together. But the thing that we've done best, the thing that I am most proud of, is not that we are perfect. I know this is going to be shocking because you know my wife and she's amazing, right? Erica is not perfect, and this will be less shocking. I am not perfect, right? So you've got these two non-perfect people in a relationship together, and sometimes we can be jerks, sometimes we can be tired, sometimes I don't necessarily see the humanness in my wife. I see, why didn't you put this back, right? And I can be grouchy, and I can be... And again, shockingly, sometimes she can be that way too. And when we first started dating, we could go days, right? If one of us hurt the other one, 
even when we knew we were wrong, we would hold on to that. And it could be days before we would talk again, because I was still mad. It didn't matter that I was wrong. I was still mad, and I wasn't going to let it go. And as we have grown in our relationship, days became day, day became hours, and hours now, more often than not, it's minutes where we say, you know what, forgive me. I, I don't want to be grouchy to you. I, I don't want to hold this against you. And it's not just me seeking forgiveness, she seeks forgiveness, and so our relationship becomes more human. Because we're more naturally able to actually see when we've been wronged or are the one doing the wrong, and we seek reconciliation. We seek to restore the relationship. Y'all, if you want better marriages, if you want better relationship with your kids, if you want better relationship with your neighbors, the sooner you seek forgiveness, the sooner God's Jesus stuff, that release starts to open up relationships. And we get to see God do some really, really cool stuff. And y'all, it starts with us. Individually, realizing that, you know what, I'm part of the problem. And instead of uh, getting my defenses up, or getting my offenses up, right? Oh, you did this? Let's go time. No. Learning to de-escalate, learning to seek forgiveness, because it's in that that our relationship with God is clear, and our relationship with our brothers and sisters and family members is clear as well. I, I do want to add one last thing, though, because this is important. We're going to end where we started. We started in Psalm 103, and I want to read through this last section of Psalm 103 again. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. I'm sure I am not the only one who can carry mistakes and sins that I have made in the past. There have been times in my life where I have been the fool. And more than just cutting someone off, more than just honking, I acted out of a sinful nature, and, and there was some damage done. And I can think in my head, God wants me to carry that for the rest of my life. God does not want you to carry that for the rest of your life. For as far as the heavens are above the earth, and y'all, we, we have a better understanding of how high the heavens are, right? It's the universe. As far as the universe is away from you, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions. When we seek forgiveness, when we do the work, God does not expect you to carry that for the rest of your life. Instead, he liberates us. And he says, no, it's gone. Because here's the thing. God defines reality. Literally, when God said, let there be light, guess what happened? There was light. God speaks and reality changes. And so when he says, your sins are forgiven, your sins are released, y'all, your sins are done. 
and it's over. And that doesn't necessarily mean there aren't consequences to them, right? That, that's part of this life. That's part of us trying to make reconciliation happen and be restored. No, the consequences may still be there, but the shame and anything that he is asking you to carry, y'all, that is gone, done, and over with. And that is good news. And that is Old Testament God. That is New Testament God. That is liberating. And when we have that inside of us, we can share that with other people as well. And again, as we learn to forgive, as we learn to seek forgiveness, we get better at forgiving others. And then internally, one person by one person by one person by community, God does something beautiful. We have a God who is doing something beautiful. And again, as Christians, for us, that heartbeat is forgiveness. Learning to be forgiven and seek forgiveness and then paying that forgiveness forward to those who are also working on their humanity as we're in relationship with them. We've been using the Lord's Prayer as our time of confession and absolution. So we're going to do that again today where we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together, but we're going to pause when we ask for forgiveness. So forgive us, this, uh, forgive us our trespasses, we'll pause, and then we're going to have a couple moments of silence to actually come before God asking for forgiveness, and then we're going to say, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and we're going to pause again. And again, this grudge baby, it's hard, we all have them, slowly releasing the grudge, slowly releasing it. And again, y'all, this does not mean that whatever hurt was done to you isn't real. It does not mean there are no consequences. It doesn't even mean you have to go and seek reconciliation for them in a moment. It just means that we start to let go. We start to release it because our God doesn't want us to carry it. He doesn't want you to carry your hurt that you've caused, and he certainly doesn't want him, you to carry hurt that's been caused to you. We have a good God. Let's go to him in prayer in the Lord's Prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're good. Lord God, you came as the first one who forgave. Lord, and we are so grateful for that because every single person in this room, every person on this live stream, Lord, every person we encounter, Lord, we're all part of the problem. And you're a good God who fights for us, who dies for us, comes back to life again to give us something new, to release us from the pain that we have caused or that has been caused to us. Lord God, we come before you now in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We continue in worship.